Welcome back to Jake's Takes. My name is Jake. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the podcast. Here on this week's episode, we're going to start with the NBA uh, All-Star voting, the starters, the snubs, uh, and then we're going to be looking at the Ben Simmons situation with two teams and looking at some other news around the NBA and um, just kind of go from there. So let's get started and we will go with the All-Star situation. So the NBA has decidedly chosen its all-star players um, and its starters so far. We don't have anything on the bench yet, but we have our starters. So the Eastern Conference starters, um, Jamar DeRozan, Trey Young, Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, Giannis, uh, which um, I don't really think that's anything out of the... Um, out of the ordinary. Obviously, Kevin Durant's a great player. Joel Embiid's the best center in basketball. Giannis is a very good power forward, if not the best power forward in the NBA. You have Trey Young, who's arguably the best point guard in the Eastern Conference, and DeMar DeRozan, who's having a great year. You could argue DeMar DeRozan is a small forward, and Zach Levine is the Chicago Bulls shooting guard, so I don't know why we have this situation where DeMar DeRozan is a starter, but people voted, and the votes came in, and that's what they get. Now we go to the Western Conference, which is an interesting situation uh, for a few reasons. So our starters on the Western Conference, we have Steph Curry, John Morant, LeBron James, Jokic, and Andrew Wiggins, which, surprise by everyone, Andrew Wiggins is a starter. I mean, let's just look at the East and the West. Um, since I did say the East was a little more predictable, the number three uh, name on the list was Zach Levine for guards. And number four was James Harden. DeMar DeRozan actually got the most votes. Um, he was top-tier vote-getter in the guards. Front court, obviously, Durant was uh, about uh, 300,000 more votes than Giannis in the top-tier top spot with Joel Embiid. We also have Jason Tatum, who got 1.5 uh, million votes. Pretty solid. And going down the line, we have um, some interesting stuff here. So we have uh, Tatum, Jimmy Butler, then Jared Allen, then Siakam, then Mandebayo, then Bridges, and then Lamarck Saldridge. I don't know in any world, in my opinion, where I could see Lamarck Saldridge getting any sort of votes right now because he's not, you know, somebody to me that seems like a, you know, guy who should get any votes because he's just an old veteran and, um, you know, it doesn't seem like that's um, really the, uh, you know, that is really the... Uh, all-star situation where I don't really think it makes uh, a ton of sense, uh, at least for me, because of uh, that fact. But he's there. I'm not going to complain, uh, and we're not going to argue um, for that. Um, with the guards, we have DeMar DeRozan, Trey Young, Zach Levine, James Harden, LaMelo Ball, Kyrie, Fred Van Bleet, Derek Rose, Darius Garland, Jalen Brown. So to start, Kyrie Irving's number six. He shouldn't be on this list. He hasn't really played. Derrick Rose, not that great of a player, shouldn't be anywhere on this list. The fact that uh, Darius Garland, who's having a great season, and Jalen Brown, who is also having a very, very good season, those two guys are below Derrick Rose and Kyrie Irving is a disgrace by all disgraces, which is why the fan vote should get taken out completely because the fan vote should have no value because you're basically going to vote for, like, um, just players that are popular, not players that are actually good. I remember a few years ago, Zaza Pachulia was a center for Golden State. He got a lot of votes in the Western Conference front court because of being from the country Georgia, 
I think, and all those people voting for him, that shouldn't really be a thing. He's not a great player at that time. Just like Derrick Rose isn't an all-star level guy, nor is LaMarcus Aldridge. John Collins is having a much better season than LaMarcus Aldridge, and he should be somewhere topped on this list. He's not, and that's that. With the Western Conference, you have LeBron James, Jokic, Andrew Wiggins, Paul George, Anthony Davis, Draymond Green, Carmelo, Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, DeAndre Ayton. In the front court and the back court, Steph, John Morant, Luca, Clay Thompson, Devin Booker, Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, Nonda Mitchell, Damian Lillard, and Anthony Edwards. So, to start with the front court, let's look at this for a second. Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert are very low on this list. Gobert should be, in my opinion, number four. I think Carl Anthony Towns should be number five, and then you can make the list as it wants to. The fact that number four is Paul George, he's not awful, but whatever, that's fine. Carmelo Anthony should be nowhere near this list. He's not deserving of an all-star vote, or more importantly, shouldn't be anywhere on fan returns uh, at all. And I think everyone keeps saying this, the fan returns are just stupid, and they don't really make any sense. It should be coaches, it should be players, it should be those within the writing circles, the analysts and uh, media personnel, it shouldn't be fans, because fans are going to just pick guys who are famous, right? Carmelo Anthony is far more famous, in my opinion, than Andrew Wiggins, than Jokic, um, and yet, you know, he's on this list somehow, and, um, you know, obviously he's a lot more famous than Rudy Gobert and DeAndre Ayton and Carl Anthony Towns, and those guys are lower on the list than him, and they're better players. Now, with the guards, the interesting situation is Klay Thompson hasn't played half the season, and he's at number four. Below Derek Booker, or Devin Booker, um, below Chris Paul, below Donovan Mitchell, below Anthony uh, Edwards, below Damian Lillard. The fact that Russell Westbrook is number six on this list when he shouldn't even be an all-star in the first place because he's having such a rough season. The fact that the Lakers are trying to or could be moving him at some point, that says a lot. So, this list in itself is just very... Um, wrong to me. Obviously, it evens itself out when things end, and when they pick their bench, it's usually not going to be guys like Carmelo Anthony, or Marcus Aldridge, or Derrick Rose, or even Westbrook. Maybe Westbrook, but, you know, Clay Thompson's not going to get an all-star appearance, because they're going to see that, and all the, the players are going to vote, and all the, you know, officials, like, a analysts, and media personnel, and coaches, they're not going to pick Clay Thompson, because he hasn't really played. I don't even think Steve Kerr would pick Clay Thompson because he doesn't think, you know, he doesn't deserve it because he hasn't really played. So the fan voting in the first round is usually a bunch of scrubs who are like big names. I remember when Taco Fall got a lot of votes in Alex Caruso. The second and third vote get a little bit better, but they're still a little bit, um, a little bit more into it. Uh, you know, in terms of uh, the voting, there's always, you know, one or two names on each list that tend to be way out of whack, and that's just seemingly how it goes, um, and, you know, it's one of those things where we just don't know what's going to happen with the All-Star game, obviously when they actually pick their bench, it'll be different, and every year, and this is just my own opinion, there's one or two people who don't make it that should, and one or two people that do make it that probably don't deserve to make it, and who knows uh, what is going to take place, and who knows what could come moving forward so that is that that is uh the situation right there involving um the all-star game obviously Andrew Wiggins this is I think it's his first all-star game appearance and he's a starter I'm not taking anything away from what he's done he is a great player 
is he a starter? Not in my book, but he is a good player, and I think being an all-star is no question. I got to say, the fact that Andrew Wiggins in a first-round pick, which became Jonathan Kaminga, are now in Golden State compared to uh, what they had before, which is D'Angelo Russell, that was a pretty good trade for Golden State. And yes, D'Angelo Russell is a good point guard for Minnesota, but Andrew Wiggins is an all-star, and he is now a good fit, and they have a team that's great, and it works, and they also have a very good young player in Kaminga who could be a big part of their future. So that trade, looking back on it, I think Golden State got the edge, even though it seemed a lot more one-sided the other way when it all was said and done. I got to say, it's a pretty, pretty solid situation right now in terms of, um, you know, what what ended up happening, uh, you know, in that trade. Looking at it from my own sort of angle, at least at the moment. So that is that. Now let us move on because I am going to talk about Ben Simmons uh, and we have to look at um, something involving Sacramento and Ben Simmons. So one of the teams that was interested in Ben Simmons for a while was Sacramento Kings. They were one of the most aggressive teams when it came to Ben Simmons and Philadelphia. And according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, those trade talks halted and the Sacramento Kings have ended their pursuit of Ben Simmons, uh, and they are going to be looking for other trades. So, the as according to Wojnarowski and the Kings, inside sources, the Kings believe the asking price is too steep and that a pathway to a trade agreement with the Sixers doesn't exist. So, they do have great players, Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald, you know, they have Rashawn Holmes, they got some younger guys, Davion Mitchell, Halliburton, um, and I think, you know, the fact that they're not trying to get into this tells you a few things. Number one, the packages that the 76ers are looking for are just way too high. Or what they're willing to give up or what they want to give up seems like two totally different things. And they're asking for just King's Ransom when they shouldn't be getting King's Ransom, right? And so for a team like Philadelphia, they were looking at a deal probably surrounding either uh, Tyrese Halliburton or De'Aaron Fox as the main piece. And Sacramento has said no. I don't want to do that. Now, if Davion Mitchell and Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heald were pieces that were going to be traded with draft picks, you could see something happen. But my guess is that De'Aaron Fox or Tyrese Halliburton or both were what Philadelphia wanted. And it just got to a point where Sacramento is all the way on the left, Philadelphia is all the way on the right, and there's no middle, there's no meeting point. So they slashed this trade talks, and this is just a growing sort of belief throughout the league that things aren't going to get done right now between Ben Simmons and Philly and getting a trade done. And also, this just shows you that Philadelphia is not willing to negotiate at all. It seems like their way or the highway, and that's not something that works, right? Because, first of all, Simmons holds all the cards. He can just not play. He's made enough money where he's like, I don't really care. I just want to get out of here. Other teams hold the cards because they don't have to make a trade. Philadelphia can keep Ben Simmons if they don't find the right package. Sacramento doesn't have to give up players just to get Ben Simmons. They could say, look, you guys want to do something, that's fine, but we're not giving you guys our best pieces for a guy who has lost all of his value. Yes, he's a three-time All-Star, but what does that matter if he doesn't want to play? And let's be honest, Philadelphia has a better team than Sacramento, and if Ben Simmons went to Sacramento, who knows if he'd even stick around long-term there. So it's a question mark, and I don't think any team wants to give up assets that'll actually help them for a question mark, right? So... 
I guess it's been an NBA championship contender that they want. They want someone who can help Joel Embiid. Obviously, he is an MVP candidate, and they want somebody who's going to be alongside Joel Embiid and actually help Joel Embiid, rather than somebody who is just kind of of there. Um, and it just seems like at this point, there's no deal that's going to get done because everything seems to have been um, changing. Um, the price is too steep, and I guess they might wait till the off season. Uh, and uh, who really knows where they're going to go from there? So, um, yeah, it's an interesting situation for sure. Um, and uh, we'll see what happens moving forward. But if that's true, which I do think it is, it seems like the uh, Sacramento Kings are out of the. Um, they are out, and now it's a new team coming in. So, let's switch to Ben Simmons again, but this time Atlanta. So the Atlanta Hawks were interested in maybe doing something with Ben Simmons, but it was reported, and I'm reading clutchpoints.com, but you can find all this stuff anywhere. Atlanta Hawks had already turned down a major trade offer from the 76ers in a potentially landscape-shifting deal that would bring Ben Simmons to Atlanta. Um, according to reports, Sixers offered Simmons and Tobias Harris to Atlanta in exchange for John Collins, Bogdanovich, and Gallinari. The Hawks turned it down because they were uninterested in Harris, and they felt like it would be difficult for him to. It would be difficult to trade him to another team. Um, so it sounds like now they're more open to moving Ben Simmons, but now they want to move Tobias Harris as well. "Quote: Two sources familiar with talks said at least one offer from the Sixers was Simmons and Harris for John Collins, Bogdanovich, and three first-round picks." It will not surprise you to learn the Hawks were not interested in such a framework, though their interest in Simmons is very real. So, the problem now I see is that there are some teams that don't have the top 25 player they're looking for in Philadelphia, but they are willing to make a deal if Tobias Harris is thrown in. And nobody wants Tobias Harris at this point. He's a great player, don't get me wrong, but his contract is overpaid. And taking on $70 million, $60 million of Simmons and Harris is tough to deal with, right? And, uh, you know, they're also, according to that source, no less than three future three future first-round picks added to this deal. And so they still have a ridiculous valuation for Ben Simmons. And now they want to throw in Tobias Harris, basically saying, hey, we want to trade you all this stuff, like Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris. We don't want Tobias Harris anymore, so we're throwing him into this deal because we want to get rid of this bad contract. And we also want to take your best assets in return. Ben Simmons is not worth what he's worth, and taking on Tobias Harris actually brings the value down. It doesn't actually help because of his contract. And not many teams in the NBA have $35 million to spend on Harris and $33, $32 million of Ben Simmons. They don't want to take on that money. It's just something that just doesn't seem like it would actually work. And so at the end of the day, and this is just my own opinion on the situation. It's going to be very difficult for a Ben Simmons deal to get done on its own. And then if you add in Tobias Harris, that just even makes the, the playing fields even crazier. And it's just a lot harder to get things done. So I think at the end of the day, if this is where Philadelphia is going with this situation, it's going to get to a point where I believe teams aren't going to want to talk to Philadelphia anymore, like Sacramento. Atlanta could back out. Atlanta could be that team that says, look, I don't want to do this if you guys are going to be like this. And we could see another team bow out of the race for Ben Simmons. So Daryl Morey could potentially ruin relationships with these teams trying to trade for Ben Simmons 
because of either ridiculous offers or trying to throw in Tobias Harris when they don't need to. And so I could see a situation long-term where this doesn't pan out well for Philadelphia. And come the offseason, when they're a lot more willing to make moves, it just doesn't happen anymore because of the fact that, well, maybe, you know, this package isn't right and it hasn't been right for a long time. Things aren't going to change, so you're losing suitors if you're Philadelphia and you're also probably breaking some bridges. And I think Daryl Morey's in a tough spot now, even more so because there are teams that were interested in if you're just going to offer some crazy packages and hope that teams are interested it's not going to happen so yeah this Ben Simmons stuff is going crazy for sure and I want to switch gears now to one more article I was reading about uh, Buddy Heald uh, there were other um, sources all over that saw this but cbssports.com is where I'm reading this so obviously we all know Buddy Heald was almost traded for uh, some sort of package involving KCP and probably Kyle Kuzma with the Lakers on draft night Russell Westbrook was the target instead, and there were rumors that Rob Palenka actually wanted to do that deal involving Buddy Heald, but it was LeBron James and Anthony Davis who came to him and said, nope, you're doing the Westbrook deal instead. So whether they had the offers both on the table and one came um, after the other, who knows what the story was, um, but apparently uh, Buddy Heald was on the table, they wanted to do this deal, or at least Palenka did, and... LeBron said, nah, let's go with Westbrook instead, which, whether it was worth it or not, I have no idea on that one. So, Buddy Heald is still in Sacramento, but it didn't seem like that was something the Lakers were just going to sit and let go by. So, according to Chris Haynes of Yahoo, um, that Friday, uh, the Lakers reached out to the Kings about a package led by Talon Horton Tucker in exchange for Buddy Heald, with the Kings rebuffing the Lakers' offer, believing they can get a better offer for Heald. Most likely, they would have had to include Kendrick Nunn um, and at least two of their veteran minimum salaries, DeAndre Jordan, Kent Bazemore, or others, plus draft picks, which wouldn't be until 2027. Um, and so they could also swap rights on picks that... Uh, they haven't traded, so 2023, 2026. Um, so, yeah, they can make some swaps with those picks in that situation. So they do have second-round picks as well. Um, I honestly don't think Talon Horton Tucker has a ton of, like, real value. He's a good role player, I will say that, and he's young. But the value of him is not as high as I think a lot of people expect. And I think a lot of the Lakers media and just the media in general want to hype up these players in Los Angeles. The Lakers really don't have outside of, you know, Anthony Davis, LeBron, and Russell Westbrook, they don't really have great players that are worth anything. They're all veterans, and they're all guys making a veteran minimum. Kendrick Nunn has a little bit of value, but not that much. I think Malik Monk has a little bit of value, not that much. I think... You know, Talon Horton Tucker could get you two second-round picks, but he was a second-round pick, and he's better than he w was uh, drafted at. But still, it's just one of those things where by no means is he worth body healed or anything close to that. And you got to figure that if the Lakers have these, these playoff guys, LeBron and AD and Westbrook, they're going to be in the playoffs. They're not going to have a top draft pick. It's not going to be like in 2027 the Lakers have the fourth pick in the draft unless something changes. But to me... I don't really think a lot of these Lakers assets have any value, and the guys who did have value are all gone. Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, KCP, those guys are gone, and now I think we're in a different situation where it seems like with um, 
everything going on, they don't really have a lot of, you know, players that are worth much. And so, to me, I don't see Town Horton Tucker getting traded because I just don't really think there's anything there to trade, you know? If you do something for, like, a role player, role player, that's great. But if Buddy Heald's the guy, then Buddy Heald is somebody who um, could get traded. I just don't know if that'll happen. Now, there are two other things I want to look at. Um, I was looking at a few different articles and looking at the um, Portland Trailblazers, um, and I saw something that interested me um, for a little bit, um, which was um, about C.J. McCollum. And what I saw was potentially C.J. McCollum could be available because of the fact that there has been a very good um, uptick from uh, Arfernee Simmons. So um, it sounds like the Blazers could be ready to move on, according to CBS Sports, could be ready to move on from C.J. McCollum after the emergence of Arfernee Simmons. So, um, yeah, uh, we could see that. So for this is from NBA insider Mark Stein. When it was announced recently that Portland's Lillard was headed for abdominal surgery, I remember a rival executive asking me if I was ready for the Anthony Simmons audition. I really haven't given it much thought, but Simon sure was. The restricted free agent to be is averaging 24 points and has made 4.63 pointers per game in January to spark some the loudest speculation yet in the Pacific Northwest that the Trailblazers are finally ready to break up the CJ McCollum-Damian Lillard partnership that former team president Neil Oshie considered sacred for so long to make room for a re-upped Simons. If Simons is playing great and he has this bigger role, I could see them getting rid of McCollum for some sort of package and getting a little bit more flexibility for cap space. If you get rid of uh, CJ McCollum and you plan on signing Simons to a big deal, probably not going to get 30 million, but he could get like 15, 20 million, depending on the situation. Um, if they really want to go for him, they could. Um, I think uh, the Blazers aren't doing as good, and it's maybe time to move on from that situation. Maybe it's time to get somebody else in there who might be a better fit um, and also help your front court, and then you can have Simons, who is kind of your shooting guard. Um, I do like what uh, Simons brings to their team, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's their future shooting guard, and maybe if they want to rebuild, he's a good starting point, and he's a young player, they can pay him and kind of go from there. I think, you know, it's still a question mark because there is no long-term general manager at the moment. They have an interim guy, so they have to kind of wait and see sort of attitude. But I think C.J. McCollum could get moved. I wouldn't be surprised if he did at the trade deadline or during the end of the season so they can make room to sign Simons to a bigger deal. I mean, there is Nurkic, who's a one-year contract. There is Covington, who's a one-year contract. So there is flexibility. But I think getting rid of McCollum and his $30 million kind of can help your team. So we don't know what Portland's going to do. I don't know if they're going to rebuild. I don't know if they're going to keep Dame and Simons and go from there. It's a big question mark that I just don't know the answers to. We'll have to wait and see where it goes from there. So the final thing I want to look at in this podcast episode is a story I saw involving the Celtics and Marcus Smart and Atlanta. So, according to Bleacher Report's Jake Fisher, the Hawks, before they dealt Cam Reddish to the Knicks, were interested in doing a deal that would have sent Reddish and sharpshooter Kevin Herter for Marcus Smart. So, the two sides, according to Fisher, only discussed framework of a potential deal, and it was unclear how far the dialogue progressed. 
So, in this situation, I think they're still interested in Smart because they do need defense, and a guard defense would be pretty good. So, the sort of framework of a deal around Marcus Smart going to Atlanta is still something I believe that has merit, and I honestly would not be surprised if that is something that they look at long-term, especially seeing as Ben Simmons, who's a great defender, is out of their price range at the moment because of the fact that Philadelphia wants so many assets and more importantly, the you know situation with Tobias Harris being involved is an issue, and so maybe the Boston Celtics are like, okay, we'll trade you Marcus Smart, and it's a more manageable deal, and maybe the Celtics want someone like a DeAndre Hunter, maybe the Celtics want someone like a Kevin Herter, maybe the Celtics want someone like a Bogdanovich or a John Collins, so I think with Marcus Smart, it's a cheaper option. He's going to cost something. He's not going to be someone who is just uh, two second-round picks and that's it. He's going to cost you assets of some kind, but if the Atlanta Hawks are willing to, to play ball and they say, hey, we're not really interested in Ben Simmons anymore because the package is too much, we could go out there and make a trade for John Collins, which uh, may be better for Boston. So if these rumors are true, which I think there's a lot of merit into these rumors, the possibility of smart to Atlanta is not off the table and Odds are, if no trade gets done, we will see articles posted after the deadline about potential Marcus Smart to Atlanta deals that almost took place. Because every trade deadline, there's always at least something that's a rumor, and then it goes through and nothing happens, and then you get articles posted about why it didn't go through or why nothing came of it. So you could see Marcus Smart get traded to Atlanta, you could see him not get traded to Atlanta, and then articles come out one or two days later saying, oh, well, there was interest between both sides, but it fell through because of X. Celtics wanted this, and the Hawks weren't interested, or the Hawks wanted this, and the Celtics weren't interested. So maybe Marcus Smart is a better long-term thing for Atlanta, because he's cheaper, and he's uh, you know, much uh, more manageable contract compared to Ben Simmons, and if the Ben Simmons situation is they want to throw Tobias Harris into any Atlanta Hawks deal, then Atlanta could say, look, we'll just go with Boston, which I don't think Marcus Smart is as good as Ben Simmons, but he's a great defender, and I think could be a better fit long-term, because if they're starting backcourt, let's just say they're starting backcourt, is Trey Young, Marcus Smart, and then they have Bogdanovich at the small forward, Hunter at the power forward, and Clint Capella at the center. That's not a bad group. If Kevin Herter comes off the bench or he gets traded, if John Collins comes off the bench and he, or he gets traded, I could see the Celtics wanting John Collins and Kevin Herter, and I could see the Celtics trading away Marcus Smart and Romeo Langford and some other stuff to get that done. So be on the lookout for an Atlanta-Boston Marcus Smart-led deal in the future.